All glories to the assembled divinities. All glories to the assembled divinities. All glories to the assembled divinities. All glories to Sri Guru and Garanga. All glories to Shiva Prabhupada and Mahon Vishnu Gadaya. Vishnu Prasthaya Bhujaneshu Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nityanami. Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pachana Nivise Sisamadami Paskachade Satana. Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Ucha Parakamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavasha. Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Raganatam Bhitam Samsajitam Sadvaitam Sadvadutam Parijana Saita Krishna Chaitanya Deva Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sadhana Vita Shri Vishakam Bhitam Sadhana Hare Krishna I give a brief introduction about uh, Mother Vodala Mataji We are very blessed to have her in Pune here She is a very busy traveling preacher all across the globe and because Puna is an educational center, uh, it's a great uh, opportunity for us to get her association. The day before evening, I was attending the class on how to teach effectively as a teacher. She was teaching the teachers and showing by her own example so beautifully uh, with five P's. So uh, I have heard her speak in Mayapur uh, a couple of times. She has a very great wisdom and a practical application and she has raised many children in Krishna Consciousness personally. I am sure many of you might have read her articles in Back to Godhead magazine. Here is a brief introduction. <coughs> she was born in 1955 in New York City. She joined ISKCON in 1973 in Chicago and she received her first initiation from Srila Prabhupada in 1973 and Raman Diksha in 1975. And she has a doctorate in education and she is a master's in school administration, both from University of North, North Carolina uh, at Chapel Hill. Uh, she has three decades of experience as a primary school teacher and has taught hundreds of children to read English. She has written a book on teaching children and managing schools. Some of you might have seen this book, it is Vaikuntha Children. For 10 years, she wrote a regular education column in Back to Godhead magazine, uh, which is his uh, uh, for top magazine where Prabhupada very much wanted to propagate Krishna consciousness through Back to Godhead. And from her guru, she learned about traditional Indian education, culture, philosophy, bhakti yoga, and stories of India's sacred literatures. She and her husband have three children and 14 grandchildren and they have been in the renounced order of Anaprastha since 1996. Yesterday in our uh, GBC college seminar, she was telling that Grastha should have many children, at least five or six. So therefore, here the number of grandchildren and number is also given here. As an example to show how uh, this is one of the ten items uh, uh, on uh, religion. One very great writer has said how the religion is propagated in a big way through uh, fertility. So she currently travels the world teaching courses to parents, teachers and children and acting as a consultant to schools on several continents. If you want to connect with her, she has a website, urmiladevidasi.org uh, and, and also her personal website, urmiladasi.com. She is also currently the chair of the SAC, SAC stands for Shastrik Advisory Council to his conscious GBC and she has been an associate editor of BTG magazine since 1990 and she has taught the entire Bhakti Shastri courses more than 15 times and she is a professor of sociology and education at Bhaktivedanta College in Radha Desh. So with such a uh, high qualification, uh, most important quality that I see in her is her uh, loyalty and faithfulness to Srila Prabhupada and her uh, great um, missionary zeal for reaching out Krishna consciousness to not only people of the world but especially to the leaders of ISKCON. She has a lot of valuable thoughts to gather for, about because she has lived in the 1970s. She has seen the thick and thin of her movement uh, over the years 
And therefore, yesterday when I was hearing, I felt uh, like one of the mothers from uh, Prabhupada's disciples, like Yamuna Mataji and, uh, you know, we had Malati Mataji. Similarly, I felt in the same manner hearing from her. And it is very important for us to hear from Sri Prabhupada's disciples who had a personal experience with Sri Prabhupada and they are also seeing the current day is gone, what is happening in this gone. So she could draw many wonderful things, valuable things for us from Prabhupada's times. So we are, she's here with us. I only lament that she's only here for a couple of days yesterday and, and day before and today she has to leave back. So I will request Mataji that uh, while she visits India, she could leisurely uh, spend a week in Pune doing her writing, um, giving abundant time to all our congregation devotees as well as the temple from Sarasia because she has a very great vision for a great community. Uh, how ideal community should be. She has valuable thoughts to share. Come, let us welcome her to Shri Shri temple. He's put the bar very high. <coughs> so this is October 6, 2018 in Pune. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, because uh, I was teaching at the GBC College about education of children, so we thought that we would, I was told I could pick any verse. So I picked this particular verse, which is about starting schools all over the world. So I'm reading from Canto 4, Chapter 12, Text 23. Sunanda Nanda Bhuchitu Bhogorajan Subhadramte Vachano Vahitashvanu Shivarshas Tapasa Bhavadeva Matir Tripat Sunanda Nanda Uchitu Sunanda and Nanda said Bo Bo Raja Oh dear King Subhadra Good fortune Tay, unto you, Vacham, words, Na, our, Avahitaha, attentively, Shrinu, here, Yaha, who, Panchavarshaha, five years old, Tabasa, by austerity, Bhavan, you, Deva, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Atitrupat, greatly satisfied. Shila Prabhupada's translation and purport. Nanda and Sunanda, the two confidential associates of Lord Vishnu, said, Dear King, let there be all good fortune unto you. Please, the king is Dhruva Maharaj, they're speaking to. Please attentively hear what we shall say. When you were only five years old, you underwent severe austerities and you thereby greatly satisfied the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Purport. What was possible for Dhruva Maharaja is possible for anyone. Any five-year-old child can be trained and within a very short time, his life will become successful by realization of Krishna consciousness. Unfortunately, this training is lacking all over the world. It is necessary for the leaders of the Krishna consciousness movement to start educational institutions in different parts of the world to train children 
starting at the age of five years. Thus, such children will not become hippies or spoiled children of society. Rather, they can all become devotees of the Lord. The face of the world will then change automatically. Sunanda Nanda Uchitu Bobo Rajan Subadramte Vacham No Vahitashunu Yapancha Varsas Tapasa Baba Devam Adirtupat. Nanda and Sunanda, the two confidential associates of Lord Vishnu, said, Dear King, let there be all good fortune unto you. Please attentively hear what we shall say. When you were only five years old, you underwent severe austerities, and you thereby greatly satisfied the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Uh, is there Interesting. All right. The face of the world will then change automatically. So one time there was a company, it had a big boiler, big water heater in the factory. It broke, they bought a new one. And the new one also wasn't working properly. Now they were not very happy and they called so many technicians to fix the water boiler. Nobody could fix it. One of the uh, employees said, I know expert who can fix the water boiler. The expert came and he's walking around the water boiler with a hammer. Finally he finds a place, he goes, wham! And then he says, if it's still working in two weeks, uh, call me and I will send you a bill. So after two weeks it was still working and he sent a bill for 5,000 US dollars. How much is that now in rupees? A lot, huh? Rupee has gone so down. And the company president, 5,000 US dollars, asked him for itemized bill. So he said, for hitting the boiler, five dollars. For knowing where to hit the boiler, 4,995 dollars. The face of the world will then change automatically with this one thing. To start training the children of the world. The face of the world will change automatically. Let's imagine that all of Pune were in Krishna consciousness. You walked out of the door of the temple and all of Pune was in Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's movement. Maybe the whole state, maybe the whole country, but we can start with Pune. So in the universities there would be a department to study the soul. There would be degrees in Vaishnava theology. The professors would be Vaishnavas wearing tilak. They would start the day with kirtan, be serving prasada. The students would be married. There wouldn't be illicit sex going on in the colleges. The scientists would explain science according to the Vedas to glorify the Lord. They wouldn't be putting forward atheistic theories. All the schools in Pune for children, they'd be serving prasadam, chanting Hare Krishna, teaching about Mahabharata and Ramayana. There'd be no corruption in government, no bribes. The government would be concerned about the welfare of the people. They'd make sure everybody had clean water, proper food, proper employment. They'd be training everyone in their varna. There would be no slums. The government would be listening to the brahmanas for guidance. Military would only be used to quell the criminals. Accused criminals would be given a fair trial. Tax money would be used for yajna, particularly Sankirtan yajna. All the religious groups in Pune would find bhakti in their tradition and they'd be chanting the names of God according to their understanding of God. And there'd be kirtan parties from all the different religions. And everybody would also study the Bhagavad Gita 
agriculture would be increased and people would take care of the earth uh, without artificial pesticides, chemicals, model cropping. They would uh, revive the biodiversity of the heirloom seeds and heirloom plants. They'd be taking care of the cows. There'd be no pollution of the water or the air or the land. We could drink water from the rivers. People would do business to glorify the Lord. There would be a revival of the handicrafts, no more factories. The old ancient traditions would be revived and people would learn how to do everything according to the old tradition for the glory of God. And even people doing the most manual and dirty work would be doing it with an idea of artistry and beauty in society. The streets would be cleaned. The street sweepers were chanting Hare Krishna, thinking about how they're actually making a beautiful city for the Lord. And the temples would be the center of the city, both literally and figuratively. Every Yukadasi, there'd be a day off. All the stores would be closed. And there'd be massive kirtans going on. On all the Vaishnav holidays, everybody would get a paid vacation. During Kartik, many businesses would close and there'd be massive pilgrimage. The face of the world would change automatically by this one thing. Because children are the father of men. If you educate the children, you change the society. My dear friends, there are many people changing society through changing how they are educating the children. There are many people in the world who have certain agendas, certain social, moral agendas, and they are changing the education of children, and thus they are changing the world. Even for our ISKCON society, Srila Prabhupada consistently called Gurukula our most important project. And as Radhisham pointed out, the leading sociologists in the world say any religion that exists for at least a century and has at least a hundred thousand followers only does so if they have enough children and they are properly educating those children. My dear friends, currently within ISKCON, we do not encourage people to have children. We encourage renunciation, we encourage austerity, we encourage people to work really hard in the mission, but we don't generally see having children as contributing to the mission. We discourage people from marriage, or at least early marriage, we discourage people from having children, we tell them it will disturb their sadhana, it will disturb their service, and in this way, we are cutting off our own ability to change the world. In places where people have children, often we don't have proper facility for those children. We often don't train them or educate them very well. Uh, this evening, Krishna willing, I'll be talking about the four keys that if one follows even one of them, one is highly likely to have children who will stay in Krishna consciousness. Uh, those keys apply also to even adult devotees. But this is the most important service. If we think that we are going to spread Mahaprabhu's mission simply by bringing already adults into our movement, that will not work. It has never worked in the history of religion. It has simply not worked. Right now, mostly ISKCON is growing from people joining whose parents had already some background close to Krishna consciousness. The parents were already Vaishnavas or Hindus of some sort. We are not getting very many adults joining our movement anywhere in the world except from Hindu or Vaishnav Indian families. This is a well-documented fact. But among the Indian Hindus, they are also starting to have fewer children. Have you noticed this? 
This is the propaganda, one is best, they are saying. And among the Indian Hindus and Vaishnavas, they are decreasing in the training of their children in their own culture. Have you noticed this as well? So this is the pool we are drawing from. Instead of having a lot of children in our own ISKCON and training them in our own ISKCON, we are pulling from the Hindu society outside of ISKCON that is still training their children somewhat. But that is going down. That well is becoming dry. A few generations, am I correct? The Indian youth less and less and less following their traditional culture. Is that correct? What to speak of the Indian dysphoria? Second, third generation Indians in other countries, they are behaving like the country that they are living in instead of like their own culture. And the Indians are not having even very many children. And they are pushing them just for technology and money, isn't it? Yeah? So where will we grow from? This is a big question. So we're going to look at, if we're going to establish educational institutions for children all over the world, how are we going to do this? So many times people think, well, let's do a traditional Gurukula. So with all due respect, I haven't seen any traditional Gurukulas on this planet in 2018. If you have a traditional gurukula, you will learn how to play musical instruments underwater and how to uh, read other people's minds. This is what Krishna and Balaram were learning. Actually, there is one gentleman trying to start an after-school program with these 64 arts in India. So we wish him all success. He's working with some devotees in London. But the traditional gurukul would be a lot of fun. I think if we actually had a traditional gurukul with the 64 arts, the children at least would be very excited to come. I don't know if the adults would be very excited. They would say, how will you make money learning how to dye hair? And I don't know of anyone who could teach flower airplane making. We're still looking. We have advertisement out. Flower airplane making teacher, please apply for a traditional Gurukula school. But we see even Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was running a school, but he was not running a boarding school. He was running a day school. And he was not teaching flower airplane making, at least we don't have any indication in the Chaitanya Bhagavad or Chaitanya Charitamrita. He was teaching uh, rhetoric, which is public speaking. He was teaching logic and grammar. And of course he was teaching the Shastras. Of course, once Mahaprabhu got initiated, he started teaching everything in relation to Krishna, and his students thought he was a little crazy. Even today, if we teach everything in relation to Krishna, the parents may think we are a little crazy. This is a problem. But the point is that the specific details of the schools may change according to Desh Kalapatra. Srila Prabhupada says it is required to keep the principle and it is also required to change the details. Both are required. So if we are going to establish educational systems for children all over the world, which will hit that boiler in the right place and change the world, we should not be trying to imitate the details of Mahaprabhu's school or Sandipani Muni's school. But what we should do is keep the principles and then adapt the details. So to do that, we have to know what are the principles? What are the really essential things? So as I say, tonight I'll be looking at four keys, and the four keys I'm looking at tonight come from my own doctoral research of children in Krishna consciousness and also children in various religious systems in the world. Why do children follow the religion of their family and the culture of their family? But this morning, I want to look at a series of talks 
that Srila Prabhupada gave in 1976 in Mumbai from the seventh canto, which speaks about the Brahmachari Ashram. And Srila Prabhupada was equating the Brahmachari Ashram in our temples for the adults with the Gurukula. If you listen to these talks, he's going back and forth between speaking about the children in the schools and the adults living in the Brahmachari Ashram. From listening to these lectures and studying them very deeply, I isolated 12 main points that Chula Prabhupada was making as being very essential. That if we bring in these 12 main points, or the essence of these 12 main points, then we will make educational institutions where the face of the world will change automatically. I should also mention that it, it's, look, as far as application of details, that there are many different kinds of educational institutions. There are full-on academic schools that teach Krishna consciousness along with mathematics, science, history, geography, and so forth. There are also once-a-week schools, afternoon schools, summer camps. There are so many ways of starting educational institutions. There's also ways we can influence the outside educational institutions. So let's look at these 12 points from Srila Prabhupada and see if we can bring the essence of these points into our educational endeavors. So the first one is love between the guru and disciple. We'll be speaking about this one also this evening. So, quoting from this talk, this was on April 12th, Prabhupada says, Therefore, Brahmacharya means living under the direction of Guru, Gururhitam. And Gururhitam, how he can be simply thinking of benefiting the spiritual master. Unless that position comes, nobody can serve Guru. It is not an artificial thing. The Brahmachari, the disciple, must have genuine love for Guru. Then he can be under his control. Otherwise, why should one be under the control of another person? So the first essential, timeless, universal principle of spiritual education is that the relationship between the teacher and the student should be love and trust. It is not an official position. I am the teacher, therefore you must obey. I am the parent, therefore you must obey. No. One obeys out of love. My guru loves me. My guru has my welfare in mind. And I have love for my guru. Raghunathas Goswami, the first word in his Sri Manashiksha, Splendid Instructions to the Mind, is Guru, that one should have unprecedented love for Guru. Bhaktivinoda, in his commentary, says, one should not just see the Guru as a saintly person, but as one's well-wishing friend. As Prabhupada would sign his letters, your ever-well-wisher. So the relationship between the teacher and the student is very sacred. In the traditional school, you did not change your teacher every year. The modern schooling, the modern system of schooling where students are separated by age and they change teachers every year was created by industrialists at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution to manage the concentration of children in the cities and the fact that both mothers and fathers were going to the factories to work and there was no one at home with the children. And they said, now we have all these thousands of children, oh, let us take the factory model and institute it in schools. The current model in schools, which we, we may think of as traditional, is not at all. It was created by industrialists based on a factory model. It was not created by studying the psychology of children it was not created by studying the proper pedagogy or how children learn. It was done to be efficient, to manage large numbers of children in the growing industrial revolution. It should be abandoned. We should return to a system where there is a deep relationship between teacher and students 
and preferably where that relationship continues throughout the time that the child is in school. Many, many schools now throughout the world, at least in the Western countries, are abandoning this factory model of education and switching more to a place where you have a teacher throughout your years of school and it's a very personal relationship of individualized learning. Where the teacher knows you, you know the teacher, things are custom designed for you. Uh, the second main thing that Prabhupada talks about is sense control, especially sex life and association with the opposite sex. So nowadays in the schools, the children are expected to gratify their senses unlimitedly. The parents think they are good parents if they give the children a whole room of toys and, you know, an iPad and a phone and everything they could possibly desire. Uh, but this is not the traditional model. The traditional model is you teach children to be happy with simplicity. That doesn't mean that you give them artificial austerities. Prabhupada said for the children to rise early and attend Mangalartik is enough austerity. But you teach them how to love simplicity. And you teach them the process of sense control. So this could be a whole class or a week of classes. What is the Bhagavad Gita system for sense control? My dear friends, it is not repression. 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 Did I say it was not repression? Repression of desires, repression of emotions, they will simply come out in another way. Shiva Prabhupada says we cannot kill desires. Why? Because desires come from where? The soul. Desires just come from Maya, right? The soul has no desires. Is that correct? Did I get the Siddhanta right there? Is that right? Is that correct, Siddhanta? No. Where did desires come from? The soul. Desires come from the soul. So how are we going to control the material expression of desires? When Krishna gives the verses 262-263, how we fall into Kama Krota, Moha, look at 264. Everybody looks at 262-263. Nobody looks at 264. Raja Dwesha, give up. Attachment and aversion. Nowadays, it's become very popular in the world to teach meditation. It's happening all over the world. Children in the schools are learning meditation. Unfortunately, the Buddhists are teaching this. They're teaching a voidist meditation. But some of the principles they are teaching are also in the Bhagavad Gita. And they are teaching this to children. So we should be teaching. If the Buddhists can do it, we can do it. We will do it much better. Our principle of sense control, on the positive side, Maya we become attached to Krishna. We fulfill our desires with Krishna. That is such an easy thing to do with children. They are naturally attracted to Krishna. And for the perversion of desires that still enters our body and mind, because as long as we have a body and mind, there will be some material desires and emotion entering it. Is that also correct? If you think, oh, I will become so Krishna conscious that no material desires will ever enter my body and mind, that will not happen. Krishna says we should be like the ocean the rivers go into, but the ocean remains undisturbed. He doesn't say the rivers will stop going into the ocean. And 1422, he says one who does not hate illumination, attachment, and delusion when they appear, nor long for them when they disappear. 
remaining undisturbed, knowing that the modes alone are active, are active, and that is all. Knowing, as he says in the fifth chapter, in the thirteenth chapter, I am not the doer. No, it's just the modes of nature. We don't have to express our material emotions and desires and fulfill them, but neither should we repress them. Nor should we try to escape from them by watching TV or sports or keeping so busy that we're not even aware of what's going on. Rather, we learn that we are the observer. Oh, there is lust entering the body and mind. That's the modes of material nature. It's not me. I will not feed it, I will not kill it, I will observe it. And my consciousness is absorbed in Krishna. Oh, that's Krishna's material energy. Like if some stray dog comes to your house, you don't feed it, you don't kick it. Or in Vrindavan we know you don't feed the monkeys at your house. Feed them someplace. But if you feed them at your house, they will destroy your house, yes? They'll break your water tank. We have experience. So these desires, they're like monkeys. When they come to your body, you don't feed them, but you don't kill them either. Because they're Krishna's monkeys. They're his material energy. You understand? It's his maya. And ultimately she's Vaishnava. So we offer respect. Oh, there is lust, there is anger, there is disappointment, there is sadness, there is attachment. Hare Krishna, Vaishnavi. I am not going to feed you and I am not going to kick you. You do your own business, I'm going to chant Hare Krishna. If one does that, controlling one's senses is very easy. So this should be taught to the children. And then on the practical level, because in 264, Krishna talks about being free from attachment and aversion, being free from attachment and aversion, not just attachment, attachment and aversion, and regulating the senses. So the children are taught to have a regulated life, to eat at a regulated time, only Krishna prasadam, sleep at a regulated time, learn proper etiquette between men and women, proper behavior, but those by themselves are not enough. That's not enough. Both the mental sadhana to be free from attachment and aversion and the physical sadhana to have a regulated life and then uh, prasadana abhigachati. One will get the mercy of the Lord and with the mercy of the Lord then one is no longer affected by maya. The third main point, Prabhupada says, is worshipping the Lord and Guru. So, Sarvagatam Brahma, Nitya Yajya Pratistitam. So, in Bhagavad Gita 3, I think it's 15, that Brahman is everywhere, but he's to be found in Yajya. Yagya means ritualistic practices to worship the Lord. So the children should be engaged regularly in worshiping the Lord, some ceremonies of worship, particularly Sankirtan Yagya, and actually worshiping the Guru. Not just loving the Guru, but worship and respect. The next point, none of you are going to like this, this has become very unpopular in the Hare Krishna movement. Nobody wants to talk about this one anymore at all. So maybe if I talk about this, you will actually not invite me back, I don't know. And that is the children should be trained to rise early and attend Mangalarti. The children should be trained to rise early and attend Mangalarti. Why? Why? Why don't we just have the Japa program, Kirtan program at night? Well, it's seven. Why Mangalarti? Does anybody know? 
Have you ever tried to drive someplace when there's a lot of traffic? And then you take the same route when there's no traffic. So during the day, there's different modes of nature active. Once it becomes like 637, then Rajagun is there. And as soon as Rajagun is there, you want to check your phone. You want to get something done. You want to clean your house. You want to do something. You want to do something. You don't want to sit and chant. If you try to sit and chant, you're thinking, oh, but I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this. Because that's the time of day to do things. It's not the time to meditate. In the morning, Satvagun is active. That is why in the big modern cities, even a city like New York or London, they say, the city that never sleeps, but they do. Between 3.30 and 5 in the morning, even New York and London go to sleep. It's a fact. People are out partying, drinking, but around 3.30 they can't do it anymore. They don't, they lose the impetus for their intoxication and illicit sex at about 3.30, 4 in the morning. They, they just can't function anymore. Because the modes aren't giving them the right kind of energy, you understand? The mode of ignorance is over. And then they're trying to do mode of ignorance things and they can't. Because Sattvagru takes over. They don't know what to do in Sattvagru. They're like, what do we do now in Sattvagru? They go to sleep. <laughs> Seriously, really serious. But when you are awake during Satvagun, it's so easy. It's like driving on a road with no traffic. I saw personally as a Guruku teacher, we had a rule that the children had to attend Mangalarti. If they didn't attend Mangalarti, they couldn't come to school. And I saw practically many children before they started in the school, their parents were not taking them. I would see after three days, the children changed. At least in one month. It was like different children. And I saw with our own children, you know, if we miss Mangalarti one day, no difference. Two days, little difference. By three days, they were different children. Why? Because they had no, they weren't exposed to that Sadhana, during the time of Satvagun, I saw it practically over and over and over again. The children's behavior, their etiquette, everything changed. It was very, very dramatic. I had a quote on my Facebook timeline where Prabhupada saying, how do you know Krishna consciousness is true? And the devotee says, well, we hear from the Shastra, from the Guru, Prabhupada said, okay. But that is blind following. How do you know? What is your experience? So I have practical experience that having children come to Mangalarti changes the children. I've seen it. Over 27 years, I've seen it over and over and over and over. Also, when you get up from Mangalarti, getting your 16 rounds done is so much easier. All this propaganda, you can't chant 16 rounds once you have a child. Nonsense. Just wake up early in the morning. Of course, then you'll have to have better facility for the mothers here. You'll have to give them more room to circumambulate Tulsi. But if, you, if the ladies are coming, and the children are coming, and you have them, and especially there's a program, we would have a program that we would have a teacher, that meant me, that I was supervising all the children during Mangalarti and afterwards. Then the parents can also have nice sadhana. Then people will think, oh, I could have five children and raise them nicely. Right now they're thinking one child is making me crazy. Anyway. Next one. No nonsense talk. This is the fifth one, especially if I was at politics. So mostly uh, we are absorbed now, especially since we all have our little computer in our pocket. And we tend to get absorbed in nonsense talk. What is this politician doing? What is this movie star doing? What is this sports star doing? 
Well, what is this person in ISKCON doing? So the, the children should not be doing nonsense. They should be talking about Krishna. Next one, number six, studying the Vedas, especially the Bhagavatam. They should be studying the Shastra. And of course, studying Prabhupada's books. So in our Gurukula, we were starting to teach slokas at age five. The children attended the temple Bhagavatam classes. Of course, if the children attend the Bhagavatam classes, then you guys are going to, you're never going to invite me back here, I'm telling you. If the children attend the temple Bhagavatam classes, then the temple Bhagavatam classes have to be good. Because if you bring the children to Bhagavatam class and the Bhagavatam class teachers are boring and boring and more boring, then you are training the children that Bhagavatam is boring. So the Bhagavatam class speakers have to be expert. They have to be expert in Shastra and also expert in teaching and they should remember that there are children in the audience. I have taken my Guruku children to many classes and many times the speakers did not remember that there were children in the audience. We will simply say that. And they should be studying the Shastras on their own also in the school. We had starting at age nine, the children were reading Prabhupada's books. We started with Chaitanya Charitamrita. We started just having them read the story section without the purports and writing their essays based on the, on the Prabhupada's books. We had them listening to audiobooks of Prabhupada's books during Prasadam time. They had their Bhakti Shastri they were required to take at the secondary level. So by the time one of our students went through our whole Gurukul system, they had Bhakti Shastri degree, they had read the whole Chaitanya Charitamrita, once through with the stories, once with the purports, the whole Krishna book, and they had written and studied on these, the whole Lilamrita. They had read a good part of the Bhagavatam, plus they had been attending Bhagavatam classes every day. So they knew Prabhupada's books inside and out and backwards and forwards and also. But we made sure it was fun and interesting and relevant. Hmm? Next one, they should be trained to offer obeisances. So I know everyone in India trains their children to offer obeisances. That's standard protocol for all Indian parents. Isn't it? Yes. Next one. Simplicity of dress, food, and furniture. Why is it good to train children in simplicity? Because then they can be happy in any situation. All of us would like our children to be rich and famous and prosperous and all these things. But you know, life is funny. Sometimes you may be rich, sometimes you may be poor, sometimes you may be sick, sometimes you may be healthy just the way it is. And if children are trained in simplicity, then they can learn to be happy in any situation. They're not, they won't be dependent on great material opulence. Then begging and giving to Guru, this is number nine. So at least in the West, uh, this does go on in the schools actually. In most schools in the West, so even though the public schools are supported by tax money, which is a Vedic principle, by the way, that the Ksatris donate to the Brahmanas and to the schools, the tax money is never enough. And so the students regularly have some sort of program where they make money for their school. Sometimes they go door to door selling things, uh, selling candy or something. You know, or sometimes the parents cook things and there's a sale at the school and the children are selling cakes or something to make money for the school. So this concept that the children should also be collecting money for the teacher is one of the principles. The student should not just think, oh, tax money is paying, mommy, daddy is paying, I just get an education. They should also be paying. I was just reading this morning in Krishna book, uh, Sudama Brahman, a meeting Krishna. And Krishna said to him, when you finished your education and you gave Guru Dakshin, then you married. So this was the standard. You also have to give something to Guru. So the children should be trained like that. And then the tenth thing Prabhupada mentions is only eating when you are called to eat. Huh? I have not seen this in any Iskhan temple. So this means general call is not enough. You know, you get a printed schedule for Sodom is at nine. That's not enough. 
the bell is rung, that's not enough. The guru has to call you by name. Now, if the guru calls you by name, this forces a personal relationship between teacher and disciple. That the teacher is thinking, if I don't call the student by name, the student will not eat. This forces the teacher to have some concern for the student. It, it's a behavior that pushes a loving relationship. And it teaches the students, whatever I want to enjoy, I must take permission. Modern society, we have the idea that I can enjoy whatever I want to enjoy. Isn't it? Like now marriage is just by consent, yeah? The definition of dharmic sex in the modern age is just consent. You have to be an adult and you have to consent. But what about Krishna's consent? People don't think of that. Kshetra jam tapi mambadi sarvik kshetra shibharja. Kshetra 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 Krishna is also the owner of the body, yeah? Whatever we want to do with this body, it's not just our opinion, and it's not just the opinion of the other people that we interact with. It's also Krishna's opinion. So this, this teaches the child that it's not just your opinion. You also must have, actually, the permission or blessings of Guru. So whether or not we would institute this specifically in our schools, the essence of this needs to be there. That the teacher should always be aware of the individuals. Sometimes people teach a class with their eyes closed. You've seen? They're teaching a class with their eyes closed. How will you know if the students are listening or not? You have to look at them, yeah? You have to watch. Is somebody falling asleep? Yeah? You have to pay attention. So you pay attention. Are my students actually learning? Are my students eating? Or do my students have a nice place to sleep? Do they have their books? Do they have their pencils? Do they have what they need? That is the, the, the essence of this principle. That the, it is the teacher's responsibility to make sure all my students have what they need, they are happy, they are satisfied, they are being taken care of in all respect. And it's the responsibility of the student to develop a mood of dependence and a mood of remembering my body, my senses is not only mine. It's not just my property. I am the caretaker, I am not the owner. Then what we have is the eleventh point is chanting Hare Krishna. Prabhupada says this is the main thing. This is the main principle. We should teach the children to chant Hare Krishna. We don't have time now to talk about how to train the children in Java. I have material on my website you can see. But the children should be trained. They should be trained in Kirtan. They should be trained in Java. How you train them especially in Java is very important. but they should be trained to chant. And they should be trained to chant as a meditation. Japa is smadana, Prabhupada says. It is meditation. You can study how our children in the modern age being trained all over the world now in meditation. It is happening. Similarly, we can train, train our children to meditate. Of course, then we have to know how to chant Japa, but that's a whole other topic. And the last principle is that uh, the children should be trained, the children, the brahmacharis, remember this is also about the brahmachari ashram, to be expert. This is a point that I speak about with some sadness and some angst. Somehow or other, in the early days of ISKCON, we did not understand that the children should be trained to be expert. And today, in most of the brahmachari ashrams in the world, we are not training the brahmacharis to be expert. This very important, essential principle of education of the children and the brahmacharis, uh, it's neglected. What happened in ISKCON history, because this was neglected in the 70s and 80s, is, as we say, the pendulum swung to the other side. And now we have schools where we only emphasize this expertise and we have forgotten about the other 11 points.
And from April 17, 1976, this is from Bhagavatam 7.12.6. Not that because he has become Krishna conscious and Vaishnava, he is unable to do anything of this material world. No. One who is Krishna conscious, he is conscious of everything, and he knows how to deal with them. That, that is called Daksha. Not that because I have become Krishna conscious, I have no knowledge in other things. No, every, you must have, is not complete to know something of everything. That is intelligence, to know something of everything and everything of something that is wanted. You may be expert, a devotee. You know everything of devotional service, but you should not be callous. You know something of everything that is called daksha. So what did Prabhupada say? You should know something of... Oh, come on. Was I that bad? You should know something of everything and everything of something. Prabhupada speaking here about Gurukul training and Brahmacharya, both. One devotee here just said to me the other day, oh, there's traditional Gurukul, no academics. And I had a devotee in another place recently said, did you teach material subjects in your Gurukul? I went, oh, no. What a terrible question. Let's look at the second canto. 276 purport. The brahmachari or a boy from the age of five years, especially from the higher castes, is trained until 25 years of age under the care of a bona fide guru or teacher and under strict observance of discipline he comes to understand the values of life along with taking specific training for a livelihood. So what are the two things? Values of life and specific training for a livelihood. Someone who comes to the Brahmachari Ashram probably they are going to marry, 95%. They should leave the Brahmachari Ashram with specific what? Training for what? A livelihood. Our schools for children, the children should come out with what? Specific training for a livelihood. If we are thinking, oh, math and science and social studies is all material, I don't know what we are training our children for. Maybe Satya Yuga when there was no Varna. But we're not in Satya Yuga where there is no Varna. You know, in Satya Yuga you just meditated all day. The trees just gave the fruit. The jewels popped out of the earth. It was always nice weather. You didn't need much of a house. There was not even any government in the beginning of Satya Yuga. There was no Varna. Just Hamsa. Everybody just meditated all day. And when they were hungry, they picked a mango and offered it. And that was it. No agriculture. But we're not preparing our children for that, are we? Is that the world? If you go out in the streets of Pune, is it like that? Just mango trees everywhere and plum trees? You don't need a flat or anything? I'm sorry to inform you all that we are in Kali Yuga. It's an unfortunate fact, but here we are. And we have to have a livelihood. So our children should be expert, not callous. Not thinking. If we're thinking there's material subjects anyway, then we are in Maya. 14th chapter, Krishna Guru. Prabhupada says, Maya is only within the mind. Says the advanced devotee sees Sarvakalamidam Brahma. Everything is Krishna. What is this material subject? Material means I don't see a relationship to Krishna. Whatever appears to be of value that is without relation to me is no reality, no to be my illusory energy, that reflection that appears to be in darkness. The problem is if we are teaching things without relation to Krishna. 
Okay, here's our Krishna conscious subjects. Very good, very good. Now here's our material subjects. What nonsense is this? Everything is related to Krishna. Mahanusram Yujitcha. Think of me while you are fighting. Krishna didn't say sit and meditate after you meditate, forget about me and fight. That's just a material thing. No. Bhagavad Gita 4.24, everything is merged into transcendence. So it's not a question of do we teach Krishna consciousness or do we train them to be expert? What are we going to do? No, both. Both. When someone finishes the Brahmachari ashram, if they don't want to spend whole life Brahmachari, if they don't want to go to the Vanaprastha ashram and eventually Sanyas ashram, they should have a livelihood. And the children, they should have a livelihood. All right, so we looked at the... That is also not very popular, I think. So we looked at the, the, the 12 essences of a Krishna conscious education. Love between guru and disciple, sense control, especially of sexual desires. We talked about how to do that. Actual worship of the Lord and guru, getting up early for Mangalarti, not talking about nonsense, studying the Shastras, especially the Bhagavatam, offering obeisances, having simplicity in life, begging and giving to the guru, eating when called, chanting Hare Krishna and becoming expert. If we start educational institutions for children like this, the face of the world will change automatically. And one day you will go out and every restaurant will be serving prasadam and there will be Harinam parties through all of the cities. And you know what? Then there will be mango trees on the side of the road. <laughs> What can you do today? Say, well, this all sounds very ambitious. What can I do today? You can encourage the children. Welcome the children. Smile at the children. If some woman is expecting her fourth child, don't criticize her. Happened to a good friend of mine. She was expecting her fourth child, and everyone in the temple told oh, her, "Oh, you're in Maya. Why are you having so many children?" <laughs> Imagine being told that when you're pregnant. How terrible! Most people should be encouraged to marry. Don't encourage renunciates to marry. If actually someone has a renunciate mentality, they make terrible husbands or wives. <laughs> if someone actually has a a renounced mentality, do not encourage them to marry. They'll just make a mess of the whole thing. Should I tell you this? So, I don't know, you may know Pralada Swami. I asked him, I said, Marj, were you ever married? He said, well, I was pressured into marrying, but it only lasted two weeks. I said, why? He said, well, I, would, I don't know, if you know Pralada Swami, he's memorized the whole Krishna book. He's memorized the whole Bhagavad Gita with purports, everything. Like, he'll sit down and say, would you like to hear a chapter of Krishna book? Like, sure, and he just says it. <laughs> he spends about six hours a day reading the books. He's read Bhagavatam, I think, 120 times. So he said, he got married, so he sat down with his wife and said, let's... <laughs> Immediately she fell asleep. He said after two weeks she left him. She could understand. He said she could understand I was not going to fulfill any of her desires. So if someone's actually a renunciate, leave them alone. Don't, don't push real renunciate to marry. They'll, they'll just make their wives fall asleep. But for most people, they should be encouraged to marry young. Prophet said marriage after 30 is not so pleasing. He said one should marry by 24, 25 latest. Encourage people to marry young. Have systems to help people find proper spouses. Encourage people to have children. Rejoice when children are born. In Hungary, when a baby is born, Shivaram Maharaj takes the baby to the altar and puts the baby by the feet of Radhashan. Big celebration in the community. 
have it a cause for celebration, welcome children in the temple to smile at them? <laughs> Don't always tell them to get out. If you're always going to say, get out, get out, get out, then one day the child will say, okay, I'm going. <laughs> when there are schools, support the schools, visit the schools, tell people about the schools. If you can, give money to the schools. If you can, give volunteer time to the schools. Encourage people to send their children to a Krishna conscious schools. Become some part of an educational initiative. Think, what can I do? Anything. can be a little thing. Just smiling at a child is enough. Something. Anything. This is our future, Prabhupada says. Encourage especially the ladies how they can have good sadhana with children. With children. Don't just tell them it's impossible. Set up systems in the temple so that the ladies with young children feel comfortable to come, that there's places to take care of the children and facility. I know you have your part-time mentor. That's very nice. Include the children in the temple activities. We'll be talking about this more this evening. Just like you see in my report, the children in the, from the boys' school at least, they're an integral part of the community. Yeah? They are singing the Shikshastika prayer. They are running the elephant procession. Unfortunately, the other two schools are not so involved. But at least that school, they're part of the community. From a young age, the children should not just be, you know, coloring pictures and standing up. And the parents take pictures. And... But they should be doing some contribution to the temple. They should have a service to do that's their service, that's important, that everybody values. In Melbourne, when I was there, there was an eight-year-old boy helping in the treasury office. Engage, make them part of the Islam society. Think of some way. How can I include the children in, in my service? And at least to have an attitude that this is important. If that's the only thing you can do, that this is important. Just to feel that way in your heart. This is important. Our wellspring of the children of good Hindu families is going to dry up. If we haven't learned to generate good children in our own society, we're going to be in trouble. So thank you very much. I've gone over time, for which I apologize, but nobody did this, so I thought it was all right. <laughs> so thank you very much. So we'll probably Only we, we, we don't get to hear from her so much. Uh, I will request her to visit her sisters again visually. One good thing is the GBC College program which was started last year in Pune. Many of them liked uh, coming to Pune. So again, come there to decide to continue.